All right, glad you're with us. 231 days, Scott Shannon, till we, the people, they get to be the ultimate jury. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Another big press conference today. You know, one thing, I just can't help thinking how many, many things are going to change dramatically as a result of how we have dealt with this virus, this pandemic. There's been plenty of pandemics. It's this is all game changing stuff. It's it's you know think the the biggest decision, and we'll, we have Dr. Anthony Fauci on, and I will ask him how important that early decision of the president to put in place this travel ban was and is, and to me it was probably the one big decision that I we can't even determine or calculate because it's incalculable. It's just estimates, but common sense would tell you. That putting in place as early as the president did not only bought us a lot of time, it it was just the right thing to do. And the president took a lot of political heat for it. He's xenophobic, Joe Biden said, hysterical. He's fear-mongering. Wow, I'm not going to go through the H1N1 comparisons, but uh, yeah, they didn't act so well there. Never had a travel ban. And uh, yeah, six months later, oh, oh then Biden-Obama, it's a national emergency. Um, and I, I will tell you, there is something to be said, just as a side note here, and I'll get back to what is going to be important. This is really important. Um, I've not heard any Democrat. I actually you know who I'm going to credit. You might be very, very surprised. I'm going to credit liberal Joe. Liberal Joe actually said he hates Donald Trump. He just absolutely he can't stand Donald Trump. Pretty fair statement, right? Linda, she's shaking her head. You think <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Liberal Joe, to his credit, actually said, you know what, we've all we've got to help the president succeed on this every way we can. Said, all right. You know, I'll give Joe credit. The rest of the media is still going nuts in a lot of ways. And just when you think they might have a voice of reason, they don't. But nobody wants to hear the comparisons. But facts matter. And I will say this. The urgency that we now see in this country I hope we maintain the urgency on some other issues because I can bet you any amount of money. The people are not going to understand that the need for travel bans, whenever a pandemic pops up, we've got to move fast and we want to save American lives. President's actions saved American lives. You don't hear the media mob saying it. You don't hear Democrats saying it. And they're not going to ever say anything about Donald Trump that, is complimentary of Donald Trump because, unfortunately, that's who they are. I mean, but the timeline is the timeline, and you can't get rid of the timeline. And the first American that arrived with coronavirus from the United States was from Wuhan province in China. That was January 21st. Ten days later is when the president declared the national health emergency and opposed the travel ban and the quarantine and Biden calling him hysterical, xenophobic, and he's a fear-monger. And even today is saying he wouldn't have done it. I'm like, well, that's pretty dumb. But I mean, if we had urgency, and these are things that we've discussed at length over periods of time, if we really cared about the health of Americans, you'd think that, okay, even Democrats and liberals and the mob and the media, they could say that was a great decision. Wow, he was ahead of the curve. Maybe now the arguments, people are not going to be just dismissed as racist when they talk about controlling the borders. Because if you control the borders, the way I've been talking about it is very simple. The president said it'll be a nice big door. There's going to be a big door. People can come in the door. But 
We get to vet you to make sure you're not tied to radical organizations that want to harm Americans. You know, we've got to make sure that you can financially take care of yourself. You can't come here and be a burden on the American people. We've got a lot of money we're spending just on America right now. And rightly so. That, that, that's what we do. That's who we are. We've got to take care of our fellow Americans first. Workers that need the help. Linda, did you notice when I tweeted out, you know, some of my friends in the restaurant business, you know, I only go to a few places, and I said, hey, they're, oh, wow, great news. It's open for delivery now. I got the crap beat out of me when I sent that tweet out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not apologizing because I know these guys, and I know they're going to be struggling. I know they're going to be out of work, and I want their businesses to, to, to hang in there through this crisis, which, by the way, the uh, Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, announced today. But, you know, where was the urgency when thousands, I remember scrolling on TV once, thousands of people in Chicago being shot up every weekend, thousands murdered. You know, what did, where was the urgency there? I, it never made sense to me. That's a national emergency. Those are American kids, our American family dying in one of our biggest cities. Nobody lifted a finger hardly. And they never still to this day haven't fixed the problem. You want to talk about, oh, why we vet people at the border? Well, we don't want you to have radical associations. We want to make sure you can afford for yourself the means, of get, you know, when you get here to take care of yourself. Uh, now, also, I think we've got to look at the issue of, oh, checking health screening, not to be mean, to be protective of the health of the American people. Are we going to now... Are we going to now hold the standard of life as important now and stop the violence in Chicago? Because I'd like to do that. Are we going to stop the opioid addiction in this country? Because the best way to do that is to build the border wall. Because that's where 90% of the heroin and now fentanyl crosses on the southern border. Maybe that. Maybe we can now realize that's important because it is. But remember, it was a manufactured crisis according to the media mob and, and of course, the Democratic Party. How about the sanctuary cities and states that even release violent felons to commit more crimes? Can we now admit that's a really dumb idea? And I've interviewed those families. Yeah, this so-and-so was in jail for kidnapping so-and-so for a week and raping somebody, gets out and kills another person or kills a person when they get out. Oh, we didn't see that coming? At what point do they have blood on their hands for their extreme policies? And that's just a fact. Uh, at some point, you're aiding and abetting law-breaking. Unbelievable. Um, I, uh, Biden tried to, like, thread a needle today. His border complex vows to deport felons while honoring sanctuary cities. Yeah, Joe, that's impossible. But maybe you were confused at the time. He couldn't remember Obama's name. But I think, let me go back to my original point, which is that we're now, these are game changers that I think a whole new shift in paradigm that will impact future generations, future pandemics, and maybe even the flu. Maybe we should just continue elbowing and forget the handshaking thing because that's how you pass on colds. That's how you pass on flus. Just a fact. It's been a medical fact forever. Use a little more Purell, et cetera. You don't have to li- I don't want you living your life in fear. What are we saying every day and night? Facts without fear. We're Americans. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. And everybody that works everyone else up into a, a, a fever, pitch, panic, and hysteria, they're not helping. 
So now the next thing is we'll put in place the travel bans and the quarantines much faster and people know that they're doing the right thing and they're going to say, yeah, okay, call me racist, xenophobic, all you want. I'm protecting the health of the American people. Uh, The next thing is this public-private partnership. All these weeks, the president's been meeting with leaders in industry and the business community and pharmacies and pharmaceutical community and the Walmarts and Walgreens and CVSs and Rite Aids and Quest uh, Diagnostics and Lab Tech, and I'm going to forget some other people. And all of a sudden, they announced last Friday, well, yeah, they're creating drive-by testing sites. Game-changing. Now, they're talking about teledoctors. Now, we've talked about healthcare cooperatives and healthcare savings accounts. You know something? What about practices that have available doctors at two in the morning, three in the morning, that any American can call? On call, you'll get an answer. Or cooperatives where somebody in your neighborhood, okay, I, I woke up, my temperature is 103. My son, my daughter's temperature is 102. What do I do? My son has the croup. I used to get the croup as a kid. You know, my poor parents stuck taking me there to the hospital. I I, I remember standing up, staying up late at night, holding the, the steam for hours and having to go to work the next day. You know, what if you could just call up the doctor? The doctor says, well, do you have anything you can steam and put a steam shower and that might be able to do it and call me back in two hours if it's still a problem and maybe we'll have you come in. That'd be that. That's game changing. And now we're setting that up. You don't, if you have drive up testing, you're not going to a hospital. You know, the last place you want to be unless you're really sick right now is a hospital. It's a Petri dish. And, and, and those are things that we've got to think about. The, what I also liked about today is there was a lot of talk about moving forward and moving forward, for example, okay, how quickly are we going to have enough tests and the testing sites up and running and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that was good. I, I liked the worst case scenario. And we'll ask Dr. Anthony Fauci about that. Uh, I don't know if you know this. He served six presidents now, probably the defining face ultimately doing such great work on HIV AIDS. And at the end of the day, and, uh, the fact that they've been able to break down the sequence of Corona in three months when it took years to do it for other viruses, that's a game changer. Things are changing dramatically in all of healthcare, And we, of course, with the best medical researchers, professionals, doctors, lab technicians, everybody throughout the whole system are amazed by the progress we're making. Um, but now we got to look forward. All right. Well, what about respirators? What about ventilators? Uh, are those on order? That all got answered today. The testing, the number of tests available, that got answered today. And now building out these, you know, drive up and get tested only if you need to. I urge you to follow what the government is recommending there. That's smart. Um, The other comprehensive items that's been answered, too, which is good. I was wondering in my own mind, okay, what if what if there's a particular outbreak in one city or another? Do we have enough tents, medical tents, medical supplies, IVs, uh, gloves, masks, gowns, medicines, generators, heaters, fuel, blankets, pillows, cots? food, water. Uh, you know, there's an infrastructure we already have. That would be the Red Cross and groups like Samaritan's Purse. Both those groups were on the ground with truckloads of needed uh, staples and, and needed medicines and blankets and cots and food and water within 12 hours of those tornadoes touching down in Tennessee. They're amazing, amazing work that they do. Uh, medical triage teams, that was answered today. 
I mean, if the outbreak cluster emerges in a particular geographic, overwhelming the hospital system in that area, will we have enough medical SWAT teams available, support staff, C-130s packed, ready to mobilize at a moment's notice, and with doctors and support staff ready to see patients? How quickly can we get it up and running? That was asked. That's all, that's all being prepared now, just in case. Although the hope is that we don't get to that point. You always got to hope we don't get to that point. At the end of the day, too, remember, I, I hate these people that don't put some perspective into this because it panics people. I can see it. I feel it. Even friends of mine, Linda, you're getting the same thing that are really, you know, normally tough, smart people. You know, the, I'm, I'm like listening to them and I'm like, wow. Are you not? Yeah, I'm understanding I'm feeling here. the same thing. And, you know, it's it's really unfortunate because there's a lot of information out there. And I think if we look at past experiences, you know, we'll get through this like we've gotten through so We're many We're going to get through it. I mean, it just is a pain in the facts you know what. Facts over fear. It's, it's definitely. Well, facts without fear. That's what I'm doing. And the reality is this is not impacting young people. This is we, what we're really. You want to know why we're doing this 15 day thing? The to slow the spread of the virus mitigation and to stop it because the people that are dying are it tends to be elderly people overwhelmingly so 80 years is the average mortality from dying from this flu that have underlying health conditions compromised immune systems people with autoimmune disease people that are getting chemotherapy and radiation and the the fear is is that it gets worse. Most people have some people have no symptoms. Some will have mild symptoms. Some will have a flu, and they're all going to recover. But if you if one of those people, in those groups, get this virus, they're likely going to die. That's why we're doing it to protect death. And the president said that today to minimize the number of Americans that will die here. Well, we can use this in the future for the flu and for any other pandemic, God forbid, that comes down the line. And unfortunately, they do. I wish they didn't. I wish we could cure cancer and heart disease. And as we roll along, Sean Hannity shows facts without fear. I said on TV last night, I'll say it again. Land of the free, home of the brave. You know, all right, everybody, you got to chill. You got to take a little, you got to take a deep breath. And then, you know what? This whole thing, all hands on deck. Why are we really doing it? To prevent innocent Americans from dying. That's why you do it. Do I want to do it? I don't have to do You can't mandate. No, I would like to think everybody in their heart of hearts has a good heart. One thing we said from the beginning, Linda, I think it was like way, way, way early in this. Remember I said, it scares me. This is this the fact that asymptomatic people, no symptoms at all, have no idea they have it. And the the time that they were infectious well, and the fact that it lived long and that it was airborne, those were that's remember from the early days, I said, yeah, that's why you take it seriously. And, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, from the beginning, we've been covering this with the experts and the professionals in the medical field. And you have, you know, bar none been out there just getting information, getting facts, you know, making comparisons to previous experiences with our country. You know, that's what we need to do, people. We need to look at past experiences, learn from it, grow with it, and learn about this as we go and do the best we can. Well said. I mean, we want to keep Americans safe. All right, we'll give you the list. Oh, boy, Joe Biden is having a very tough time. I'll explain when we come back. Uh, there will be primaries in states today. Some have canceled, some have not. That and more straight ahead. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Let me go through 
what the government is now asking us to do. I guess it's 14 days. Yesterday was the first day. It is not complicated. It is. Why do we do it? Because we don't want other people, our fellow Americans to to get sick. Those that are those with compromised immune systems. I know people in my life right now that have gone through chemotherapy and, and radiation. I don't. The, the last people I'm going to go see, I'm going to call them. I'll text them. I'll write them. If they need anything, I'm there for them. hundred percent, whatever you need, but I'm not going to go by. And, and I just say it, you know, I, and, and by the way, for those people that are kind of have to stay away from, you know, give them a little extra love and attention. And that's just the kind of people that we are. Uh, the directions are simple. It's not fun. It's not what we want. You have, you know, if you look at this, it's going to take on the trajectory. And we'll have more with Dr. Anthony Fauci later. There's going to be with more testing, higher incidents, more hysteria, panic. But again, if people follow these guidelines for 15 days, containment is going to be huge. Mitigation is even going to be bigger. The lack of overwhelming the healthcare system, hospitals, et cetera, it's going to go a long way to saving a lot of people's lives. And it's simple. You know, state, local authorities, they have to be involved. You know, I'm watching Comrade de Blasio in New York, uh, and there's like a, a battle breaking out, I'm heard. Uh, oh, by the way, the Pentagon says it will give 5 million respirators and 2,000 ventilators to the Health and Human Services for virus response, and that's just the beginning. Uh, so that's a pretty good battle. That's a, uh, that is we're winning. There's a fight in New York. Comrade de Blasio said that he is strongly considering issuing a shelter-in-place order for all New York City residents. Uh, we're absolutely considering that. A shelter-in-place order would mandate that all the city residents stay in their homes. Well, what if you need food? Even Italy kept the grocery stores open, and Newt told us yesterday there was stock, you know, stock to the top. One side note for all of you panickers out there, somebody's got to call in and explain to me. Just a side note. The president spoke with all the big grocery chains today. They're all in. They got it. They understand they are increasing their deliveries at a rapid pace. Thankfully, these, we have amazing people in this country, amazing businessmen and women, the free market at its best. So, but why do some of you, what is it the first thing you do? You go racing for the toilet paper and the paper towels. That's not my priority. My, my priority, Linda, tell everybody, if you had to guess, what is my number one item? If I go to a grocery store that I'm going to race for and grab as much as I can, what is it going to be? Salt. Can you guess? Well, salt, yeah, but I got a, I got a light. Oh, ho, ho. so salt's number one. Okay. No, I have enough. So I wouldn't be the first that I, what, what would be the one food item I'd grab? Steak. See how smart you are. Steak. No. Cauliflower pizza. Chicken noodle soup. What kind of chicken noodle soup? Campbell's in a can chicken noodle soup. Correct. Or Lipton. I do like the Lipton, You too. do not like Lipton. You oh, like I do Campbell. like Lipton. No, you don't. I do. My sister, I've tell you, you know what she calls it? You know my sister calls it? Lipton. My sister calls it pee water. She's like, she can't understand that because I Your drink it. Your sister is correct. It's gross. Okay. You're all driving me nuts. Why are you all driving me You're nuts? You're welcome. Wait till we're all together in one spot. All right. So I don't know what de Blasio's talking about. A shelter-in-place order would mandate all city residents to stay in the homes. What if they don't have enough food, Mr. Mayor? Anyway, Governor Cuomo, to his credit, dismissed that possibility that they would be asked to be quarantined after the mayor said this, that we're absolutely considering it. We hear New York City is going to quarantine itself. That is not true. That cannot happen. Thank you, Governor Cuomo. And I can't believe those words just came flying out of my mouth. Thank you, Governor Cuomo. He's actually been, 
you know, except for the little tit for tat with uh, Trump, uh, which, by the way, uh, he, he even acknowledged the president is doing a great job and helping New York and help. And just as Gavin Newsom did, which is, you know, kind of the way it kind of should go. Uh, we've taken the steps, reducing the number of people circulating around. We're going to look at all other options, et cetera. It could get to that for a whole, for the whole country. Okay. Mayor de Blasio. I've actually met you now twice. I actually get along with the guy I mean, in, in a weird way. We don't agree on anything. We're never going to agree on anything. But what I liked about he just, he just cracks me up because he really believes this crap. I, I mean, I'm like, you're destroying. I said to him the last time he was in the studio, you're destroying. You are destroying the real estate market in New York City with your extra sales mansion taxes. You know, like, what are you doing? Nothing selling anymore. Prices are plummeting. No, it's, you know, just selling less. I'm like, yeah, you're not helping. Ay, ay, ay. It's hard. It's very hard. All right. So here's what it is. If your children are sick, keep them at home. Don't send them to school. Contact your medical provider. You know, one thing, you might just want to get on the phone with your doctor. Look, I have this only because of my life. I'm blessed to have a number of friends that are doctors. All right. So if I call them at three in the morning, they're going to take my call. But a lot, I know a lot of people don't have that. It just worked out in my life that way that some of my best friends in life are doctors. And I know they'll take my call at 3 a.m. And they probably they have on occasions. Good people. Um, but this should be a new paradigm. Moving forward, I think every practice, any decent sized practice needs to have, you know, medical consulting over the phone. This way, my, he, here's my daughter. Here, take a look at her. What do you think? Here's a temperature, right? What do you think? Here's this. I took this. Okay, go to the drugstore, get this, this, and this. I'll, I'll phone it in for you. Done. Why not? Um, anyway, if uh, you feel sick yourself, stay home. Don't go to work. Help is being provided. Financial assistance is going to be astronomical. At the end of this, it's going to be like a trillion dollars. That's what it's going to be. And as the president and Mnuchin and the vice president today, they all said, yeah, we got to we're going to we're going to save lives here. But we're also creating new paradigms moving forward. I just want to make sure that monies aren't wasted. Sorry. Got to think about it. And of course, cruise lines, airlines, uh, hourly workers. Uh, Somebody told me that even some cities are like shutting down construction. All right. You know, let them wear gloves. They're supposed to wear gloves anyway. No. Um, if someone and, and respirators, if someone in your household is tested positive, keep your entire household home. Don't go to work. Don't go to school. Contact your medical provider. If you're an older person, d- older people, we love you. Grandma, grandpa, listen to your friend, Sean Hannity. Stay home. Stay away from older people. Mom and dad, older moms and dads, same thing. Stay home. And if there's any chance you have the virus, don't go see grandma and grandpa. Call them. And if you need to pick up groceries for them and supplies for them, go do it. Just be a good son or a good daughter. Anyway, if you're a person with a serious underlying condition, you are most at risk. A compromised immune system, lung heart function problems. All the ones I mentioned, yes, stay home. Stay away from other people. If you're young, otherwise healthy, you're at risk. Uh, Your activities can increase the risk for others. That's the main part of this. There's going to be the overwhelming vast majority that might have or will contract this this virus that are going to be have no symptoms now that's not true there'll be some that have no symptoms there'll be many that have mild symptoms there'll be some that have well a bronchial outbreak of a flu the equivalent of a flu 
tens of thousands of people in this country die every year from the flu. So the key is you don't want to get near those that are compromised otherwise. You know, and going forward in, you know, we could use this for flu seasons. That actually came up. I forgot the woman's name who spoke about this. Yeah, well, we now can maybe save more lives with, from the flu every year if we would start doing other things. Uh, but you got to live, too. At some point, it's a balance. Avoiding social gatherings of more than 10 people. Well, that's it. You go home. You, I'm pointing at, no, we have less than 10 people here. Uh, if you work in critical infrastructure industry defined by the Department of Homeland Security, healthcare services, pharmaceutical, food supply, you have special responsibility, maintain a normal work schedule, and of course, following CDC guidelines, uh, avoid drinking in bars, restaurants, use pickup, drive through, delivery options. I said this on Twitter on Sunday night. Oh, my one of my favorite restaurants, Chris and Tony's and I and La Pazetta and Rothman's and Del Frisco's. I, I'd go to like very limited places. Oh, they're now offering delivery service. Oh man, I was did you see how I was berated on Twitter for that? I'm like, what? I'm like, you gotta you know, I, I, I don't I'm understand. urging you what actually they, to what do they we think these eat. businesses are gonna do? You know, these people have to feed exactly. their Exactly. What they, do they listen, want everyone to do? These are my friends. I've been, I only go, I go to the same places. They're my, I consider them family. I'm like, I, I want them to work. And if they need help, I'll be there for them. Good hygiene practice. Don't visit nursing homes, retirement, long care. You know what? If buy grandma, grandpa, a, a, an iPhone, they don't have one. Spend the money, buy them an iPhone. And then you can FaceTime with them. Then they can see their granddaughter or their grandson. Do stuff like that. So that's what they're asking everybody to do. So I want to get this information out. So um, and they're very clear on it that this is going to go a long way. They've been very clear. Biggest decision made in this whole process was the travel ban, the quarantine. Next big decision, keeping people out of hospitals with drive-up testing when needed. Not everybody needs to be tested. I'm not going to get a test unless I have symptoms. I don't have any symptoms. I'm not getting a test um, the guidelines are very clear. They're not that difficult. Uh, I'll tell you this. I love the president battling back against the Chinese today for spreading the lie that our army services, and well, Mr. President, do you feel bad that you say that it's the Chinese Wuhan, Wuhan province? It is. It, there, there are still pandemics from Germany that mention specific areas. You know, asked about his phrase of the Chinese virus. Critics say using that phrase creates a stigma. No, I don't think so, the president said. I said, I think saying our military gave it to them creates a stigma. Unbelievable. Um, uh, look, there's still irresponsible people all over the mob in the media and in Congress. You're never going to get rid of them. They are who they are. A little surprised that Joy Reid, uh, Fox News, has been getting people killed for years. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Joy, calm down. What are you talking about? Uh, you know, and let's see. A bit later, a guest accused Fox News, Fox News of trying to vilify, stir hatred and paranoia. No, that would have been quid pro quo Joe, if you remember. He was the one that said about the president he was xenophobic, hysterical, and fear-mongering. Uh, and he still stands by it, which means this guy's living in the dark ages in terms of dealing with pandemics. The idea is to come out of this with the knowledge that we can stop death and sickness down the line by acting more quickly and boldly like the president did. And we're doing it. Uh, the economy is going to suck for a while. And I do agree with the president's going to come roaring back. And unfortunately, and fortunately, we're America. You know, 
We rebuilt all of Europe after World War II. We have a Marshall Plan. We have all these, you know, efforts to help other countries. Now we're going to rebuild America. And American workers are going to get the monies they need to keep their businesses running, keep their mortgages, keep their cars, delays in tax payments if you need it, etc. If you're getting a refund, file on the 15th, get your money back. You should file sooner than later. But, you know, for people to go out there on NBC News that... Fox News is getting people killed for years. They're a cancer on this country. I guess they want us dead. Sounds like that for me. And, um, you know, I don't even know what to say. It's so stupid. You had one fake news report uh, that Trump is responsible for the surge in toilet paper buying. When you know things are serious, the president's feeding a lot of BS. What are you going to do? Go buy toilet paper. It's Trump's fault. Then ABC, Newsbusters got ABC... You know, oh, he's only concerned about the stock numbers. The president said the words today, best thing we can do for this country is save lives. This is all about saving lives. And then our economy is a strong our economy is strong. Paul Krugman, a guy always said that the stock market is not the economy, which it isn't. It is, however, pretty much the Trump presidency. I'm like, wow. It's like Bill Maher. I mean, he's the guy that said, Dow twenty five thousand exclamation. Reuters had to edit a debunked story claiming Trump sought a monopoly of the vaccine, the Corona vaccine. Not true. How much fake news out there? Fake news, New York Times. They've been the worst. Day one, Trump virus. If you're feeling awful, blame Trump. Edits Trump's advice to governors on medical ventilators. Unbelievable. Got another MSDNC psychopath berating Trump for handshakes and microphone touches. Okay. You know what? I guarantee all of you are going to shake somebody's hand at some point and say, oh, I forgot. I'm not supposed to do that. Uh, anyway, you notice everybody except Fox News, Newsbusters picked up on this, skipped the president's call for a national day of prayer. Another fake news CNN idiot. You know, Trump is emulating the propaganda of North Korea. And forget the view. I mean, I just, I mean, what do you, what do you say about the hard-hitting news show over at The View? Um, pretty unbelievable. Then you have never Trump or David from got owned by himself, pushing a smear against Trump. Whoopsie Daisy fed up uh, writer. Oh, and Maxine water just shut the hell up. That's very helpful in a time of crisis. Um, they are who they are. It speaks about them. It's not who we are as American people. Um, and I want to have this discussion, xenophobic, hysterical, fear mongering, Oh, the answer is Medicare for all? <laughs> I don't think so. The answer is more Obamacare? No, that didn't work out either. Um, and the timeline is amazing. But you know what? Keep your family safe. Let's look out for your grandparents, your parents, those that are really at risk. All right, we have uh, coming up Dr. Anthony Fauci, Senator Rand Paul, and your calls all straight ahead. Uh, well, the latest on this, we have a primary day going on. Bolshevik Bernie even saying that he has no plans to drop out if he loses We'll give you an update. I mean, Biden is losing it. Couldn't even remember Obama's name. Then he does this virtual town hall that became the biggest cluster ever. And a fact check of Biden. It's, uh, yeah, he's sowing fear and spreading misinformation about Corona. We'll have the details coming up. 231 days. Thank you, Scott Shannon. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. I think we're going to look back at all this corona 
um, the way this pandemic has dealt with, been dealt with versus the way in past years we've been dealt, dealing with things. And I think there are going to be three new paradigms that result that are all good for we, the American people, and keeping people healthy and secure, et cetera, et cetera, and, and well and their well-being. Number one, well, I'm not expecting many people to be so quick to say you're xenophobic, hysterical, and fear-mongering the day that the president of the United States announced the travel ban and the quarantine, and he did it in record time. The timeline is what the timeline is. They, they first identified corona on January 7th. They first, the World Health Organization didn't realize there was anything until December 30th last year in the Wuhan province area of China, and with pneumonia-like symptoms, a virus emerging, and they then the first person with corona arriving in the U.S. from China had where he'd been in Wuhan province. That was January 21st. Ten days later, well, just a side note, what was Chucky e. Schumer and the Democrats doing? They were, the Senate was holding their vote on whether to allow further witnesses and documents in the impeachment trial. And Joe Biden was calling the president's decision hysterical, xenophobia and fear mongering. Well, I don't think uh, in retrospect, it was probably the single best thing, best decision at the time. Countless thousands of Americans otherwise would have contracted this virus. It would have been exponentially worse for this country. And we can't calculate how many lives will be said. But moving forward. And this will even help with the flu every year where tens of thousands of Americans die every year. And that means, okay, maybe we'll be elbowing each other instead of shaking hands. Who knows? But number one, I think travel bans will be very quickly implemented in the future because this case, it was important. It was critical. I think this whole public private partnership drive up testing for those that need it, you know, using the biggest box store companies in the country and the pharmaceutical companies and and everybody all hands on deck, uh, which is great because then you're not going to the hospital, which to me are little Petri dishes and it leaves hospital space for those that really are ill. And this whole idea of, you know, teledoctors where you can get on a phone and you can do a FaceTime or a Skype with your doctor and maybe prevent, you know, 35, 40 percent of people from actually having to go to the doctor's office. Okay. What are your symptoms? Let me see. What's your daughter's temperature? Let me see. Okay, you got the croup. Let me see. Uh, create a steam shower. Call me back in an hour. Let's see where we are. And, and you can do it all night. That could be a future of health care, along with health care cooperatives and health savings accounts. Anyway, Senator Rand Paul is with us. A um, couple of things he suggested announced earlier today. I think you were the first I heard that announced uh, that, hey, we ought to give Americans the ability to expand out the tax deadline that happened today in the press conference good for you although i would urge americans that are getting refunds file it yesterday how are you senator quite good sean now you're a doctor how long you been a doctor a medical doctor 30 years or so okay so you know a lot about medicine how big are the how big was the issue in your mind of the travel ban and the quarantine and the drive-up testing public-private partnership and this idea of being able to have healthcare cooperatives that have 24 service concierge service available for anybody to call in any hour of the day and, and talk to a real doctor or healthcare professional. 
You know, I think everybody's been talking about flattening the curve, not getting too many people sick all at once and overwhelming the health care. The best way not to overwhelm it is to get uh, to slow down the flow of people who are infected. So early on, reducing the flow of people from China, we still get did get a few people here from China, but we didn't get thousands of people. We got a few, and they you know lit up some hot spots. Washington was from somebody who traveled here from Wuhan, China. So it's not perfect, but I think it slowed down the amount of people who are infected. Now we have to continue to try to slow down the spread so we don't overwhelm our system. But all that being said. I think people have to look at some of the bright spots. It's really slowed down to a trickle in China. It's slowed down to a trickle in South Korea. And uh, that's going to take a period of time. But I I think there's a very good chance that when to, within two to four weeks we are going to peak. And in the next two to four weeks we'll begin to get better. And then it may be something that within two to three months that this was a terrible thing that we went through. But this is not, I think, a year-long kind of thing. I I'm very, very hopeful, and I think there is some evidence that this will be a, a couple of months, and we will begin to recover very quickly after that. So that's kind of my feeling on this. After, Like you, I've been looking at the numbers in China and South Korea and, and Japan, and now we're watching, I guess, they're at their peak in Italy and, and Spain and other parts of Europe uh, and the European travel ban, the Iranian travel ban. But I, I assume we're going to see, because of more testing, a dramatic increase in people that have no symptoms even that have contracted the disease. That was the first thing that I noticed. And I, from the earliest day, I was saying, uh Oh, this bothers me because there are people walking around that have contracted the virus. It's heavily contagious. They don't have no idea. They even have this virus. And that was a concern from day one. Really the reason that we're doing this 15 day period to slow the spread is because those that are most vulnerable, there are people they have underlying medical conditions, compromised immune systems that will die from this if we don't prevent the spread. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think we should do all of those things. I just hope people will also put this into a little bit of perspective. There was a great article in the Wall Street Journal, I believe it was yesterday, talking about how we're sort of the first generation or two not to live with massive infectious disease epidemics and pandemics. And so this is why it's so startling to us. But our parents lived in the 1950s. Every year they worried about winter. They worried about polio coming. For about a 20-year period in the middle of the last 19th century, we worried about smallpox before that. We worried about measles before that. We've lived in a very benign time in the sense that with vaccines and antibiotics, we do very well and have for a long time. And so that's why this is so unusual. But we will overcome this. There are a bunch of great antiviral drugs that were developed for AIDS that are being used now. There's anti-malarial drugs By the way, the sequencing, this, it took years to, to literally break down the sequence of the AIDS virus. Now they did it in three months with corona. That's, that's a record by a long shot. People need to have more confidence in our country and in modern medicine and know that this is still going to be bad and many people are going to die. But many people do die every year from infectious disease. And I'm not saying we shouldn't respond. We should. But at the same time, we need to be confident that we are going to overcome this as a country, as a people. The world will continue on. One of the good news of this, if there's any good news, is young people, which are the future of our country, are going to survive this. 99.99% of young people are going to survive. And uh, that's a good thing. And we're going to do the best we can for the rest of the old folks like you and I. But uh, we're going to make Speak for it yourself there, Senator. Hey, hey, back down now. Come, you know, what do you think? You're a talk show host. Uh, let me let me ask you this. That was a great call on your part for the, the delay 
in terms of the IRS and filing and businesses. You know, I, I thought there were a lot of the announcements, a lot of things they said today economically, what they're going to do to help businesses that are directly impacted through no fault of their own. I liked a lot of those ideas, small businesses in particular and short term loans and interest rates are lower than they've ever been. Um, but I am concerned about some other, you know, of course, Congress lards it up with every pork barrel project you can even conceive of. Right. Well, I think we shouldn't become Bernie Sanders or Andy Yang because we uh, all of a sudden have a virus. We shouldn't throw out all of our beliefs and all of a sudden say, hey, let's just write everybody a check. So I don't really like the administration writing checks. There's another way to go about this. We have a safety net in place. It's called unemployment insurance. And I just came from a meeting where half a dozen of the conservatives got up and told Mnuchin just writing everybody a check is not the best way to do it. Let's expand unemployment insurance to cover people who are temporarily laid off or furloughed because of the virus. Let's cut down the waiting time so you don't have to wait several weeks or months to get unemployment insurance. And let's pay for it that way. And that way it goes directly to the people who are severely affected and we're not like just sending every random Joe a check in the mail. The reason people are not spending money is because we told them to stay inside. They're doing what we told them to do, and they're not spending money. But if I give you a pile of money, you're going to sit right next to your other pile of money you have because you're not going out at night. And so I don't think that necessarily fixes a problem. What we have to do is pull together as a country and understand that we're talking about a month or two of altered travel schedules and some businesses very much suffering, airlines and restaurants. The cruise industry, the restaurant industry, yeah, I mean – and and by the way, I want we we listen, we rebuilt Europe. We're going to help Americans out first. We ought to. Um, and we have the means. But I want to make sure the way we do it. And this is going to be more in your department than mine is setting the foundations for the quick recovery that we're going to have as soon as we're past this, hopefully sooner than later. Well, the best thing is not to overreact. So we shouldn't fund something that's going to be a year's worth of stimulus. Do you remember when we were all sort of against the Obama stimulus? We shouldn't immediately say, oh, now we're for a stimulus because it's a virus and virus makes everything different. No, we should take what is necessary for a month or two. So if we need to expand unemployment insurance for those who are hurt by this, by all means, let's do it. We can come up with the money to do it. We can send that money to the states. But we should use that program because it targets people who are unemployed or who are furloughed because of the virus. Let's don't just say, oh, money comes from heaven, and we're just going to have a helicopter fly over your house and dump money on your house, and that's going to help the economy. We never have believed that that was good economics, so why in the world would we accept that now? Your thoughts. I know you guys have been discussing FISA. Uh, I saw a tweet of your colleague, Mike Lee. Uh, Listen, I believe we need foreign surveillance. I do. It's an ugly, evil world with a lot of bad actors in it, including Putin. Want to bring Putin to his knees, outproduce him energy-wise, and stay energy independent. Just a side thought. But I'm not going to – we can't support something that is going to ever allow what happened to Carter Page, the spying on a president, the premeditated fraud on a FISA court with a document of lies bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton. That can't happen again. Or the powerful tools of intelligence turned on the American people. That's the litmus test. If the reform allows what happened to Carter Page and the Trump campaign to happen again, then it's not real reform. I've read the reforms. I've looked at the reforms. And frankly, these reforms will not stop this from happening again. I have an amendment that would fix all of this. My amendment says, guess what? You can spy on all the foreigners you want with a foreign intelligence corps, but you can't spy on Americans. 
And people say, well, what about Americans who are engaged with a foreign power? Well, that's what they accuse Carter Page of. If you want to spy on Carter Page and you think he really is a Russian agent, you go to an Article Three court. This is a constitutional court, not a FISA court, and you get a wiretap. We get them all of the time. In fact, there's some who argue that even these warrants are pretty easy to get for criminal purposes. That's the kind of warrant you should get, and if there's proof, you should get it. But we shouldn't use a secret court where you get no attorney to go after a political campaign. Barr never wanted any of this. And so the problem is is that Barr is really not on the president's side, nor is he doing the president a service here. Barr is trying to defend— Why is Mike Lee saying that they seem to be making progress then? Well, Mike Lee and I are on the same page here. Mike Lee and I, we, we, we did force them to take a short extension, but they had to promise us to have amendments. So Mike Lee will get an amendment, I will get an amendment, and several others were, because we did force the issue, because we told them they didn't fix it. So when Mike Lee says there's progress, he's, he's exactly right. He and I are allies on this. The progress is we've delayed it now for two months, but they've written into the agreement that that we are going to get amendments. They were trying to shove it down our throat with no amendments. We actually did win a big victory this week in that they've put in writing that we will get amendments. All right. We appreciate what you're doing on that. It's important. We can't have that happen again. Uh, Senator Rand Paul, Dr. Paul, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, We'll take some of your calls next half hour. We'll update you on the election. Quid pro quo Joe is in the disastrous precipitous meltdown day after day it's gotten worse doesn't even remember obama's name and his virtual town hall was a virtual disaster joe biden well let's just say he's struggling we showed this video on hannity last night quid pro quo joe dr dr joe biden and i I mean he still would not accept that we need uh something as simple as a travel ban he just doesn't get it. All right. I, I'm, makes no sense. But and then everything he mentions, the president has already done. Same with Dr. Bolshevik Bernie. But then he does this virtual town hall. And I'm looking at this thing and he can't. He's, he, it's a disaster. It was up hours later than it was scheduled to be at. And then Joe forgot. He, first, he says N1, whatever else he's saying on there, all this crazy babbling that he does and whatever. And then you're supposed to, when you're doing a podcast, a video podcast, you're supposed to look into the camera. Well, he has his cell phone. He's looking down at his cell phone, I guess for notes. I have no idea. And then he forgets that he's actually on camera, turns for the longest period of time, walks away from the camera off the shot, and they have to put Illinois for Biden up to cover for this guy. I mean, it was a disaster in every way. And now he can't remember the president that he was vice president for his name. You know, sort of like when he said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, women are created by the thing. You know, the thing, the guy, the whatever his name is, that guy. Oh, man. And Bolshevik Bernie says he has no plans of dropping out if it's a bad night for him tonight. You know, there's two ways the American people get inspired. One way they get inspired is by great leaders who are you know, called us to appeal to our better angels from Abraham Lincoln to all the way, you know, to FDR, to to uh, John Kennedy, uh, Barack, et cetera, Barack. But there's another way. We can do that. 
We did that. We've been through this before with the coronavirus. We've been through this before. Um, excuse me. We've been through this before with uh, dealing with the viruses that the N1H15, as well as what happened in Africa. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the. You know the thing. You know the thing. The, the John Kennedy and England, the neighbor of Lincoln, and the better angels and. You know, we've been through this before with Corona and N1H1. Eight, oh, sorry. H1N1. Sorry. Can't help that. Uh, unbelievable. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. By the way, quid pro quo Joe got called out a little bit. One of the little fact check. Politico, politico, politifact is what it's called. Uh, when he reported the WHO never offered to sell test kits to the U.S. and multiple public health experts said that is not unusual for the u.s to develop its own test and he lifted the language from a false facebook meme claiming that trump and the trump administration rejected world health organization's corona virus testing kits and uh by the way this isn't the first time biden's misinformation campaign has been called out by fact checkers because he got it wrong again because politifact said that was false what he said yeah, that's not true. Let's see. Biden falsely claimed the Trump administration cut funding for the NIH and CDC. Yeah, the AP called him out for that. Biden also received four Pinocchios for deceptively editing a video pushing the debunk claim that the president called the coronavirus a hoax. Yeah, that was another lie by the mob, too, in the media. And while the president is demonstrating a lot of leadership here, what do we have with quid and pro and quo and Joe? Nothing but lies and still you know still adhering to open borders now he says but i'm I'm for sanctuary cities and states but i'm not for the criminals in them okay that's the whole point what are you going to do that does not allow those states or those cities to do what otherwise needs to be done and he's still for open borders still for free health care for illegal immigrants in this country I mean, and he's still bragging about the fact that he wouldn't put a travel ban. It's xenophobic. It's hysteria. Um, no, it's not hysteria. It's what it's not fear mongering either, which he said. But anyway, we're now 231 days away from an election. And there's quid and pro and quo Joe. And he's sending out fundraising letters. Click here. Trump isn't handling Corona well. Looks like uh, the spirit of national unity in the face of Corona hasn't reached the uh, certain corners of fundraising in the Democratic Party because a Democratic super PAC said today that they would spend $5 million on digital advertising, attacking President Trump for his response to the coronavirus, one of several groups that plan to devote resources to this type of messaging. Campaign from this, it's called uh, a political action committee, a uh, pacronym affiliated with a nonprofit group acronym represents the first major pivot to coronavirus related advertising. I'll take that fight. They want to get into how they handled. Well, I'll use Joe's words uh, in the, in the Biden Obama administration. <laughs> I'll use, that's what he says. Um, quid pro quo, Joe, Dr. Joe, uh, I'll take the fight over. Okay. How did they handle? They didn't have a travel ban that in, Ten days after the first America, first person in America got identified as having coronavirus, one person ten days later travel ban. That one decision 
I am telling you, it would be exponentially, dramatically worse. Let's have that battle. Now, the if you go back to H1N1, well, that was first discovered in April of 2009. That's the old Biden-Bama administration, to quote Joe. And I will say this, the Health and Human Services Secretary called it an emergency and got some funding at that point, 11 days later. Good for them. That was a good decision. But then it was a pandemic by June, and it wasn't until October with a thousand dead Americans and tens of thousands of Americans contracting H, well, Joe's words, N1H1, really H1N1, uh, that they called it a national emergency. I mean, a little late from my perspective. And by the time the one year mark came on, 12,469 Americans were dead. And hundreds of thousands of Americans, yeah, they had were hospitalized. And we had 60.8 million Americans that got H, well, sorry, N1H1, according to Joe. So now we got fundraising by Joe's campaign and by Democratic Super PACs. Great. Now, we do have a bunch of primaries going on today. And Bolshevik Bernie is not going to let quid pro quo Joe off the hook. Uh, Sanders' path now to the Democratic nomination is closing, but he's not getting out. At least he's saying that now. Anyway, from the debate posture of staffing moves to virtual rallies, he convened on Monday night. He said he's not ready to concede in any way. And we'll see. We expect a a lot of, well, we'll probably know a lot more by the end of the night. It's going to be Joe Biden's night again. Now, here's another issue that came up nobody's paying attention to. No more, no new fracking said that during the presidential debate. It was a great article, by the way, by Jonathan Turley. Nobody had picked up on this in this debate at Fake News CNN on Sunday night. And and this is really important because as now the president, remember, in the middle of all of this, because timelines matter in this, what were the Democrats doing? They they were out there uh, hurting the president's ability to do anything. They weren't talking about Corona. They were you know, saying that the travel ban is wrong and it's xenophobic and fear-mongering and hysterical. The president was in the middle of all of that. The president, 10 days later, what were the Democrats doing at this time? Oh, it's a, I'm glad you asked that question because that's a very interesting question. Now, the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, holds a vote to send the articles of impeachment over to the Senate. That was January 15th. January 21st, the first person with corona arrives in the United States from China. Great timeline by Joel Pollack. Got to give him props. Smart guy. Uh, January 23rd, what are the Democrats doing? House impeachment managers making their opening arguments. January 23rd, China closes off the city of Wuhan. That province completely to slow the spread of corona for the rest of China. January 30th, what are our senators doing? Uh, They begin two days of questions on both sides of the president's impeachment trial. World Health Organization, the same day while they're doing that in the Senate, declares a global health emergency as this thing is spreading. Now, January 31st, the Senate holds a vote on whether to allow further witnesses and documents in their impeachment hoax. That same day, President Trump declared a national health emergency, imposed the travel ban that Biden calls hysterical, xenophobic and fear mongering. And we have February 2nd. First death of coronavirus outside of China and the Philippines. What are the Democrats doing? On the 3rd of February, 
Their House impeachment managers begin their closing arguments calling Trump a threat to national security. What are they doing on Corona? Nothing. February 4th, the president talks about Corona in his State of the Union address. The very same State of the Union address Nancy Pelosi is preparing to rip up in a pre-planned temper tantrum to the country. And February 5th, the Senate votes to acquit the president. And February 5th, House Democrats, oh, they finally took up a coronavirus uh, a coronavirus issue in the House Foreign Affairs uh, Subcommittee on Asia. Finally. So for 20 days from the day the first death from corona was known, they did nothing. Not a thing. Too busy with the president's impeachment. By the way, a trial delayed by Pelosi because they needed to go urgently on vacation. And then, of course, calling the president all sorts of names. I mean, that's I'll, I'll take that. I'll also take the battle over the O'Biden-Bama economy. I'll take the battle over who has the strength, the stamina, the mental alertness, acuity, and acumen to do the job. I'll take that debate. I'll take the debate over the economy. I'll take the debate on the foreign policy failures of, you know, trying to trying to get dictators that chant death to America to like us and dropping $150 billion cash and other currency on uh, the tarmac in Tehran. 13 million more Americans food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. Is it unknown as to the impact on the election in 231 days? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's certainly thrown a wrench in the works, but I think the American people see what's going on. And I think the American people are not going to fault President Trump for a virus that becomes a bigger pandemic than uh, anybody was able to foresee in the you know from the get-go anyway let's go to uh our busy busy telephones here let's say hi to jason is in maine jason how are you glad you called sir good yourself i'm good what's going on yeah uh, well i drive truck and i talked to you last friday and i just wanted to give an update pennsylvania had shut down the rest areas which means there's already an overflow with us truckers trying to find places to park at night to get our rest Right. So when they shut down, when they shut down the restaurants, like the TAs, uh, they usually have a country pride restaurant in them. That means we can no longer get a hot meal. We can't just pull off the interstate and pull up to a McDonald's drive-through window with an 18-wheeler. So yeah, but you, well, hang on. I've been on the road a lot in my life. You can park in the parking lot. They usually, especially on the big highways, they they have truck stops where you can park and walk into a McDonald's, right, or walk around to the drive-through. They won't, most drive-thrus won't allow you to walk up to the window, and most parking areas are being restricted now. We're heavily restricted. Um, even well, they got to let you guys eat, so that's got to be resolved. You guys got to eat, well, and, and they might even yeah. want to extend. What are the restrictions of hours you're allowed to drive? Because it's been pretty draconian over the years. It's 11, it's 14-hour day, 11 hours of drive time, three hours of on-duty, and right now, unless you're under an emergency load, which would indicate if you're bringing a load from a warehouse of water or such toilet paper to a distribution center, you can be exempt from that. But once you get to that destination, if you don't have enough hours to get there, you are not allowed to advance from there on. You have to go to a safe haven. But by then that time, all the truck stops are filled up. So with Pennsylvania shutting their rest areas down so we can't even park in them, it's going to put trucks more. Well, that makes no sense to me because if you, most truckers I know, they park in them and they've got their bed in the back and their bunk in the back and they usually sleep in the bunk. It's not like they're getting out of the truck and they're going into a motel room. So, no, um, and, and that's 
and that's the thing right there. I have a nice double bunk, and I got my own meals. But when it comes to using the bathroom, you know, you you you, you know, you're you're making it so it's more restricted so we can't be readily able to use the bathroom. No, I th- and, listen, you're raising a good point, and, and your jobs are going to be disrupted, too. I mean, look at the supplies that go to restaurants. Uh, although I know they're increasing supplies to grocery chains because the president spoke to all the big chain uh, CEOs uh, just this week, and they're going to keep the shelves full across the country, and they assured the president of that. But, uh, like, for example, if you deliver fresh foods or produce or if you deliver fish uh, or meat, I mean, I, I would imagine that is to restaurants in particular, that's going to slow down that aspect of your business. But they, they've got to make those accommodations. I would assume that, that people are going to figure it out very quickly, that they, the truckers got to A, have a place to park, B, have a place to go to the bathroom and C, be able to walk up to a McDonald's window if you're hungry and you need to get something to eat. Exactly. And, and my son does the local deliveries. Uh, in the state of Maine, and I, so that will impact the sales of regular bars and restaurants. The beer and wine distribution will slow down, but your regular store retails, unless they ban store, you go into a store to get your necessities, then he still has a job. But thank God I'm in trucking, and I can haul water and toilet paper and all the necessities, but it's just my main concern was yeah. where you have more of a voice than I do to try to figure out what are they going to – they're never talking about the trucking industry. They talk about getting freight out, but they don't talk about – how they're going to accommodate us. Well, listen, you're, uh, listen, w- there's a certain newness to all of this. Again, I think it's going to benefit us greatly. I think that travel bans will become almost automatic uh, for pandemics and maybe, you know, the flu even at certain times. I think drive-up testing is going to be a new paradigm. I think teledoctors is going to be a new paradigm. But it's these are uncharted waters a little bit because we haven't had this type of of pandemic that's been on this scale worldwide uh in a long time and but i think things are going to change for the better but those are the details that you're right we have to work out i'm actually making a list of this stuff um well, I appreciate and that's, that. why, that's why i'm it, calling you <laughs> no I'm, I'm making a list of all this the other thing i'm doing is you know i got i got the hell beat out of me on social media the other day because i tweeted out hey oh wow one of my favorite restaurants is actually now delivering and well, only you can afford it. I'm like, okay, Chris and Tony's or Mario's Pizza, another favorite place of mine. Um, these guys, you know, they want to keep all their workers where I know these workers. I'm best friends with all these people. And the fact that they have delivery is great because we all got to eat. That's why this this idea of Mayor de Blasio, I'm glad that Cuomo stepped in and kind of said that's not going to happen. Shelter in place order. That would mandate everybody stay in your home. Okay, what if you have no food in your home? Uh, are you going to be able to do What if you have certain medicines you need? What if you have this that you need? You got to think this through. Um, and But th- listen, we're going to work our way through it. One thing I want to remind some people, you know, remember Winston Churchill, blood, toil, tears, and sweat. What is our aim, you ask? Victory. Victory in the hills. You know, goes on. You know, what do we have to fear but fear itself? We have faced depressions in this country. We have faced economic recessions. We have faced war. We, have, we are the country that beat back the forces of evil time and time again. Nazism, fascism, communism, imperial Japan, you name it. We are going to get through this. Other pandemics, flus, disease, we get better every time. Everyone, we're just, we need a certain level of calm here and perspective. All right, news roundup information overload hour. Uh, we're 
proud to welcome back and thankful to have him, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy, Infectious Diseases. He's now advised six presidents on everything. He was in the forefront of HIV, AIDS, other domestic and global health issues and pandemics. And he was one of the principal architects of the president's emergency plan uh, for AIDS relief and so many other things. Uh, Dr. Fauci, over these many, many decades watching you, I've, I just have to tell you, I've grown to respect you a lot and for many, many different reasons. How are you today? Holding up OK? No sleep, I'm, I'm sure. I'm hanging in there, Sean. Not much sleep, but I'm hanging in there. You may need Dr. Hannity by the by the end of this pandemic. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to come over and like bring you food and say thank you for all you're doing for the country. Right. Let me start with I watched the presser today and I'm watching the daily press conferences and you would rather people criticize you, you said, for being overly cautious and doing more rather than less. And I think that's a great philosophy because I think you're saying let's look at every worst case scenario, right? Exactly. And, you know, when you're dealing with outbreaks, Sean, the, the, the kinetics, the dynamics of the outbreak are always what you see today is probably not as bad as what really is going on. In other words, you're seeing today is being reflected on what happened a few weeks ago. So if you wait for something to really get bad, you're much worse than you really know. And that's the reason why I say you almost have to reflexly overreact. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, try and stay ahead of the curve so that instead of responding to something that is bad, you're ahead of the curve trying to prevent it from being as bad. That's what I meant. Let me let's 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 assess now that we have this 15 day plan in place to slow the spread of the virus, which I fully support. And it's unfortunate that something like this ever happens. We have pandemics. People die from the flu. I wish I wish we had a cure for cancer. You want to know the truth, Dr. Fauci? I want a cure for everything. Um, uh, But let me ask where we are as of today. And what do you think? Where are we going to be, say, in four weeks? Because I, I would anticipate that we're going to see with the more testing and uh, what will appear to be a dramatic increase in those that have contracted the virus. And that those numbers may scare people more. But the idea is to get it to level off and then we expect a precipitous drop. Am I wrong in that analysis? Well, I think you're right, except for the, for the, for the last one. It may not be precipitous, but a drop will absolutely occur. So what will happen, Sean, is that even if our containment and mitigation, the social distancing and things we're doing, even if they are already having an effect, we will still see the cases go up and up and escalate. The issue is that when the public sees that, A, they may say, well, wait a minute, you're doing all of these dramatic things, and the cases are still going up. You cannot expect the cases to start peaking and turning around until you have a combination of the effectiveness of what you're doing and the natural course. So we believe from historically how you've handled other outbreaks, that if we, as I use the word, put a full court press on now, do the kinds of things that we announced yesterday in the press conference, even though the cases are going up, we can expect that that will be much, much less dramatic, much, much less of a peak than what we would have seen if we had not done what we've done. How critical, now the timeline is is fascinating to me in the sense that 
and I've gone through this repeatedly on radio and on television here, because the first person with coronavirus that arrived in the United States was January 21st. Right. The president implemented his travel ban on January 31st, 10 days after the first person made it to the U.S., and and was and the quarantine following right thereafter and then expanding the travel ban. How critical was that one decision in this from your perspective? It was profoundly critical, uh, Sean, because what's happened is that we had a relatively few cases that were seeded from China. Unfortunately, to our colleagues and our friends in Europe, they did not implement that kind of a ban. And I believe if you look at Italy and you look at France, Enough of the country was seeded with travel-related cases that it became infinitely more difficult to contain it. When you're talking about addressing an outbreak, there are two major pillars, preventing new infections from coming in from outside and dealing with the infections you already have inside. That's called containment and mitigation. We have been very aggressive in preventing the influx of cases from the outside both with the very early decision regarding China and most recently with the European countries and then the UK and now most recently UK and Ireland. Because right now, today, more cases are coming up new from Europe than we saw in China. So China has relatively few new cases. It's all coming from Europe. So the idea of keeping new infections out helps you to synergize, really, with the efforts that we mentioned yesterday, namely the mitigation, the containment, which will mm-hmm. work much better if you cut off the source of new patients coming in. You know, it was amazing, and I don't, I'm not going to drag in any politics. This shouldn't even be political, in my view. It should be about saving American lives at the end of the day. Uh, but it was critical, that decision. Um, I was told by people that were in the room that, the president was actually the only one standing saying that that was the time to implement the ban, and he went with his gut. I think there are a number of things that ultimately, long-term, and you've dealt with so many of these health crises that we've had over the decades. I think one of them will be, you know, I don't think we're going to call it xenophobic, hysterical, or fear-mongering if travel bans are used in the future. Friday was pivotal to me because we'd watched all these leaders of industry, the pharmaceutical industry, um, the the business community, um, all coming together. They'd all been going in and out of the White House, culminating in what will be drive up testing. I believe that'll be a future game changer for dealing with pandemics because this isn't the worst place for anyone to be right now in a hospital. The last place I want to go to now is a hospital. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea of distancing yourself physically you know it's referred to as social distancing all of those by the way i'm all for elbows i don't care if anyone shakes my hand again i'll elbow out with anybody Uh, i'm uh, me too all the way sean all the way but the whole idea i mean if people really i know i I pleaded today at the press conference particularly with the younger individuals to make sure they take seriously that guideline that they should stay away from crowded places from bars from restaurants from theaters where people congregate, even from sports events where people congregate. Uh, I know reflexly when you're young, you tend to feel you're invulnerable, you know, and in many respects, you certainly are much less vulnerable than the elderly and those with underlying conditions. But if you get infected, even if you do not get sick or even seriously ill, 
you still could be the conveyor of the virus to the people who are vulnerable. And I'm sure when you think about it, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do it to your grandpa, grandma, sick uncle, and you certainly don't want to do it to anybody else's relatives. And that's I've been saying that on the air a lot. You know, yeah. it's... Well, when you look at the data from China and from Korea, about 80 to 85% of the people who get infected but come to the care of a medical facility will have mild to moderate symptoms but will not lead specific medical intervention. The 15% who would need that are individuals that are generally the elderly and generally those with underlying conditions. Those are the ones that could get seriously ill. So what we don't know, and that's what I think the little bit of the confusion there, is how many people who essentially get infected who have no symptoms at all, period. Uh, there aren't, I don't think there are that many of those, but I think it would be more correct for you to say, uh, uh, Sean, that 80, 85% plus of the people who get infected and have symptoms are those who are going to recover from those symptoms without any specific medical intervention, whereas the 15% are going to need intensive type of medical intervention and their prognosis is much more serious than the others. That's mm-hmm. a little bit more precise than what you said. I, listen, you're you're the pro. I'm, that's why we have you on. And I want to I want to get out the best information I can every day. I do think you know when the president said that, and all, and you were a big part of this, that it, this whole process of bringing together this public-private partnership and drive up testing because it will keep people out of the hospital system for those people that will need the care. So it raises new questions for me. Um, are the drive, uh, I'll, I'll throw this out with three separate questions. Are the drive up testing sites, how soon up and running? And are you comfortable it is going to be widespread enough that we do what is necessary medically? Uh, are you confident whatever resp- respirator availability is that going to now, do we, we have some on order? We have a pretty big supply, I understand the president said today. Uh, is that going to be a problem that you see, or are we staying ahead of that? And as it relates to triage military SWAT teams, you know, are they prepared with medically equipped tents, doctors, support staff, uh, supplies to pack a C-130 and, and land in a particular city if it's being overrun with uh, their hospitals or being overrun with sick people? Okay, so two questions. Let me answer the first. Um, we will have, we, the United States, in collaboration with the pharmaceutical, not the pharmaceutical, but the private sector, we'll be able to implement in a progressively greater way the drive-in or walk-in. You are correct that the implementation of that would require some degree, when you have people do the testing, of personal protective equipment. I am told that there's a potential for a paucity of that material that could slow things down, but that's being corrected if it's in if it is a problem and being cared for to make sure it is not a problem so we can't discount that from the time you have something set up to work and it actually works you want to make sure you have everything in place including the proper equipment for the people who are going to be administering the test so that's the answer to the first question we are now at the task force level very actively dealing with the Department of Defense to try and get them engaged. And if we do need the kind of things you're talking about, that they will be made available. We don't know if we'll need them, but you got to prepare in the eventuality that you might need them. All right. Respirators, 
will we have enough should a worst case scenario, which is what you were discussing at the press conference earlier today, will we have the availability? Is the production up to the levels, the assembly lines running around the clock to the level that we need? Well, respirators is a kind of a mask because some people confuse respirators and ventilators. Ventilators are the machines that Isn't help. that the ones breathe. they shove down your throat that I never want in my life, that one? Well, yeah, well, you, you, you put an endotracheal tube in to attach it to the machine. The machine is called a ventilator. That's for people who are very seriously ill. The respirators are an advanced form of a mask, like the N95 mask. We have a lot of them. We have a stockpile of them. We're trying to backfill right now so that when we, if, we, if we tap into that stockpile, we can have enough. There's always a danger of falling short of the respirators because that's something that's in great demand. What we say is that people should not use them if you don't need them. The people who need them are the people who are infected and need to protect them from infecting others, and mm-hmm. particularly the healthcare workers need them. All right, quick break. We'll come back more with Dr. Anthony Fauci on the other side as we continue. We continue, by the way. Dr. Anthony Fauci is with us. He is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. For six presidents now, he has been running point on, on all the pandemics that we've dealt with over the years. Um, let me ask about the triage capability. In other words, look, have we ordered these things, the tents, the medical supplies, you know, medical triage teams, uh, if, if a medical cluster is needed, you know, C-130s ready to go, packed and ready to go with doctors and support staff, mobilized, set up, begin seeing patients to take any potential overload. Are you confident that's, that plan is now being in place and would be ready at, at the time it's needed, if God forbid needed? Well, let, let me answer it this way. We do have a strategic national stockpile that is under the control of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, ASPR, which is part of the Department of Health and Human Services. Clearly, what they're doing now is looking at ways of how they could backfill. We've had not had to dramatically tap into the strategic national stockpile. I'm sure that ultimately we will. Will we have enough? It depends on the severity of what the outbreak is. I'm sure we're going to mitigate that well, but we don't know how bad it's going to get. And we just need to have a realistic assessment that we may have shortages. But what we're thinking and doing right now is to try and do everything we can so that we don't have shortages. But you have to be careful, Sean. You can't guarantee things when you don't know the magnitude of the problem you're going to be facing. But what Mm -hmm. I can say is that everything that can be done will be done to try and address it appropriately. Last question. You've given us what that you rightly prepare for the worst case scenario. Right. And no, I I don't want anybody listening to this to hold you to this in any way. Having been through this as often as you have and lived through this and been a part of the solution every time, what is your best guess? What happens and how fast? Well, you know what I think is going to happen in the next couple of weeks, few weeks, uh, you know, two, three or more weeks, you're going to start to see an escalation that's even greater than what we see right now. What kind of numbers? uh, Well, you know, it depends because you don't know what the background is. We're going to probably be seeing thousands and thousands of cases. But remember, when, when you have that escalation, if you are really aggressively doing the kind of containment and mitigation, that whatever that peak was going to be, if you put, uh, if you let the virus run its own course, it's going to be less than that. 
And, and to be honest with you, Sean, I can't answer what the number's going to be because it's going to be totally related to how effective you are in blunting a peak that would be a really, really large peak if you did nothing. You can't tell. Well, it's totally dependent on your responsiveness. You know, I've said many times that we are so blessed as a country to have people like you, medical professionals, the best medical researchers, the frontline healthcare workers, the best doctors, and uh, we appreciate all that you've been doing, all that you've done over these many decades. I, I watched from afar and interviewed you other times, uh, and I think you've been amazing uh, during a tough time, and you're keeping us ahead of the game and informed. We appreciate all you're doing, and I hope you get some sleep as well. Dr. Anthony Fauci, thank you for all you're doing every day. We appreciate it. Thanks. I'm watching the uh, press conference today. These daily press conferences are great. They just stay there. They take as many questions as the media wants to throw at them. Uh, Mr. President, you asked about the use of the phrase Chinese virus. Critics are saying that phrase creates a stigma. President goes, I don't think so. I think saying that our military gave it to them creates a stigma. It's only Donald Trump will do that. You know, the two people that have warned us the most about China are Donald Trump and Newt Gingrich. And boy, they've been right. And, you know, when we find out and understand uh, that one thing that they're considering in this whole economic bailout package that I like is encouraging. I mean, no cost tax to bring manufacturing of pharmaceuticals, for example, back to America. I mean, there's a, I think when all is said and done and I know we've got our 15 days now, I guess it's 14, whenever it is. When did it start officially yesterday, Linda? I think yesterday. Um, so it's day 14. All right. So this all gets through. Hopefully we get on the other end of this thing in a couple of months, month or two, four to six weeks. Hopefully we'll begin to see the, the at least leveling off and precipitous decline we expect, hopefully following. Um, and we get back. There's going to be some things that we've learned here that that are going to forever change how we deal with any future possible pandemic. And I think the first thing is I think the single best decision the president made was the travel ban. You know, the one that Joe Biden said was xenophobic. And uh, that was, yeah, by the way, and him saying all this really irritates me. It just does. But I, I, I think that, and he says it's xenophobic and it's hysteria, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, wow, how could you be that dumb? Even now, they said they wouldn't have put in a travel ban. Well, we now understand why it took six months for Biden and Obama on H1N1. I don't want to get into too much politics over it. It is what it is. But if in the future we don't implement travel bans and we don't implement quarantines, um, that's a mistake. Just like, you know, the idea all of a sudden we keep seeing these meetings going on at the White House from the very get go in this and the pharmaceutical industry. Are we really going to? Are we really going to keep hating the pharmaceutical industry the way some want us to hate them when they create the medicines? Do you know how hard it is to get a medicine uh, from idea and trial into the marketplace? It is millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars. And then when a pharmaceutical company hits and they get one medicine for blood pressure or one medicine for cholesterol, yeah, they've they've got a limited time before they start making the generics. Um, and we, and for whatever reason, demonizing them seems to be a fashionable thing. Like, okay, Walmart stepped up and Target stepped up and CVS stepped up and Rite Aid stepped up and Quest stepped up and LabCorp stepped up. And, you know, I've even heard rumors, you know, that Jeff Bezos stepped up and even the, the head of Starbucks stepped up. I'm like, I'm not going to criticize anybody here that's stepping up. Good for them. But the one thing that I think we will learn in this that might become a game changer 
is on health care. I mean, the drive up testing, the worst place now to go would be to a hospital unless, of course, you have to be there and it's life or death. But they are living Petri dishes. I think that's going to be innovative and and forever changing how we deal with a future pandemic so we can prevent people from contracting uh, these diseases by going into hospitals so that they're going to be tested in hospitals. That, that, that's a game changer. Having these companies, private, public partnerships, I think that's going to be game changing for the country. Um, I know the media, the mob is they're never going to change no matter what. But even they at this point, you see a slight decline in the madness. Now, not from everybody. I mean, you still have, you know, the typical people. Joy Reid apparently, where did I see this? Newsbusters. Any, she actually said Fox News has been getting people killed for years. They are a cancer on this country. Wow. Should I regret sticking up for Joy Reid at a point where I had heard she was going to get fired? And I said, don't fire her. Give her another chance. Accept her apology. Maybe I made a mistake. I, I don't think so. I'm, I am who I am. I believe in free speech. Fox News reportedly did this, this, and this. Uh, they benched uh, Trish Regan over at Fox Business for, for the doing cor- special corona coverage. That's all. For those of you who don't watch, with very large blonde hair, was being very serious about saying that this is just an attack on Donald Trump and, and it's a new impeachment. Yeah, um, the mob and the media did treat them horribly. Absolutely. You know, the Trump virus, if you're feeling bad, you know who to blame. Fake news, CNN, blaming Trump for the surge of toilet paper buying. Well, the president was on the phone, in case you haven't heard, with the leaders in the supermarket chains. They're doing all they can to keep the shelves stocked. Thank goodness. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty much everywhere. I mean, you got president at his press conference on Monday about the coronavirus and... Trump was only concerned about stock market numbers. That's not true. What did he say today? We're not. There's no amount of money he's not going to spend. I think they just got to make sure they spend it wisely and spend it in a way that helps us most quickly recover, but obviously take care of the industries that need help, take care of the people that are through no fault of their own uh, out of work. They're not, they can't get hurt in all of this. And all of that is being done. Thank goodness, because we need that done. You know, you got Paul Krugman. I saw this on Breitbart. Nobel Prize winning trade economist, New York Times, you know, the New York Times, which almost instantly said the Trump virus. If you're feeling awful, you know who to blame. Um, Often made a point of saying that the stock market is not the economy, but which, by the way, is a point I've made and made just weeks before we ever heard about any of this anyway. But however, pretty much through the Trump presidency, he's been saying it. And now he's tweeting out economists, myself included, often make a point of saying the stock market is not the economy, which it isn't. It is, however, pretty much the Trump presidency. Take away his magic talisman and there's nothing left, nothing at all. Okay, I actually want people to be able to preserve the wealth they have. People are very nervous about it. Um, But everything that you can think of, every measure now has been addressed. And now it's you got to sit back. You got to wait. Time will tell us a lot more. But we really... You know, it certainly wasn't fear mongering and hysterical or xenophobic when, in fact, the president did the right thing with the travel ban, just like he's doing the right thing, not sending people for hospitals for testing. I mean, this, you know, this whole telemedical advice and you get online and you you have a conference with either a healthcare professional or your doctor over the over, you know, you do it on FaceTime. You do it on Skype, whatever you use. How great is that? All right, let's get to our phones here. 800 Sean, you want to be a part of the program. Patrick is in New York. Patrick, hi. How are you? And we're glad you called. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Um, I'm good. Nice to, nice to talk to you. Listen, um, basically, 
happy the way uh, the president's handling everything. I think he's doing a great job. I mean, it's a difficult situation. Um, it's moving quickly, and uh, I think he's doing a good job trying to stay ahead of it. Um, as a small business owner, I just wanted to, you know, they're laying out this thing with the SBA where they're offering, uh, you know, disaster relief. So I say to my wife, I said, well, you know, she goes, well, we don't need another loan. You know what I'm saying? That's the last thing these small business guys need. I think I speak for a lot of people in, in the nation. I actually, you know, can I gently disagree with you? There are going to be businesses that probably do need short-term loans, and I think they should be made available to them. Mnuchin addressed this earlier today. One of the best parts is it's now very low interest rates. And, and in other words, that to get them over a hump for a period of time, if, or if they're in a shutdown, there might be a combination of relief and loans you know, something that's fair and manageable and and needed. We, you know, that's who we are. We help the world. We help our fellow Americans in need, and you know, we'll recover economically from all of it eventually. No, understandable, and I believe that there's a good portion that it's it's a great thing, and people there's going to be a portion of of uh, small businesses that are going to utilize that. But if you're shut down and your income is just not there for two months, three months, how do you make that payment? How do you, where does it come from? And you, Sean, you know, small, I'm talking small businesses, mom and pops, three people, four people. Where do they come up with this? You know, um, you know, we guys, we're working 60 hours, 65 hours a week. You know, we're keeping our head above water. This thing is tremendous. I mean, you can't blame anybody. I'm not blaming the government or obviously uh, it's, this is a, a tremendous uh, problem that we have here. But as a small little shop, and I, and I talk for all of America, all these little guys out there, and they're probably listening right now, and they're saying, like, you know, yes, yeah, relief is good for some people. Maybe they can afford that extra payment. But I think a lot of guys can't afford that. You know, I think once this time in America, I think the president and, and, and the administration and Congress, too, everybody all together, needs to look at this and really say, Let's look at these small and pops. Let's take care of them for one for one time here. This, they're really the uh, the heart the heartbeat of America here, a- along with the medical uh, industry, the nurses, the doctors that are really out there busting their chops and in and, and, and harm's way right now. And these little businesses, I know they're scared. We're, you know, they're scared. And, and this is part of if, if we have some real relief, I don't know exactly what it will be. But I think that's going to really stimulate it. The little guy here in America will change that tone. If we feel that, feel that relief, the tone will, 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 will escalate, I believe, in America. Listen, I will tell you what is really important is everybody just has to understand this is one of those all hands on deck moments. Do your part. Um, what the president couldn't have been more reassuring than he was today and telling the American people and American workers and American business and Mnuchin, American small business included, that everything that is going to that we need to be done is going to be done. And we'll you know, we'll sort out the financials of it later. But it is important that we do that part of it right you just don't want to throw money at it and say, well, I feel better. No, that's not the right way to do. You, you want to create the economic conditions where we have a very quick, speedy recovery and one that foundationally is sound with our free market capitalist system. I think, though, that we're definitely going to have an opportunity here to reevaluate after all of this. And I do think medical teleconferencing could be a big part of reducing health care costs and also allowing you know, people, the opportunity and availability of getting concierge care around the clock, a doctor at your ready and 
well, my, my son or my daughter has the croup, or, or I had the croup all the time as a kid, uh, do I need to come in or not come in? And maybe you don't go to the emergency room and the doctor says, well, do you have a steamer at home? Put the steamer, this, this, this. If it gets worse, call me back and maybe I'll recommend you go to the hospital and get some type of um, anti-inflammatory for the air passages. But anyway, thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. Good question. Good points. Um, let's say hi to Marcos in Los Angeles. Hey, Marcos, how are you? K-E-I-B. What's going on? How's it going, Mr. Sean? I wish I was there with you. You know why, Marcos? I would take you that? to In-N-Out Burger. Animal style, uh, but I do it wrapped in lettuce. I do the the veggie animal style, double double. <laughs> well, we'll see if there's any left after everybody's gouging for everything. Um, you know, it's I'm not calling. that I think that's set, that is now settling down. By the way, can you explain why is everyone toilet paper? Why is that the first item to go? I have no idea. I heard they're making masks with it that they think that'll work. I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, my yeah, friend. Diapers too. Diapers were hard to get for a while too out here. I had to buy yeah. some for my son, and I had to go uh, a county over just to get one. Listen, I, I know where I live. There's a couple of stores where maybe the the shelves weren't stocked completely. And then I tell people, I go shopping every week. And I'm like, yeah, it's not bad at all. But anyway, what's on your mind today? No, I called because uh, I just recently stopped becoming an EMT about maybe a year year or two ago. And um, I, I've, seen, I've been an EMT since I guess I was 2004. And then I was an explorer before that. And there was other crises. And, you know, the, the numbers don't add up for the amount of things that are happening. I mean, I just don't understand it. I've never seen it this bad. Zika wasn't this bad. The H1N1, all of the different animal flus and stuff like that. And, and people don't understand. There's still people walking around with tuberculosis. And, and you know, what are we doing about that? Let me, let me give you happen. the quick answer because I'm, I'm, I'm almost out of time and I want to give you an answer. Like in the very beginning, if you remember on this radio show, I said this is a little different because apparently asymptomatic people were highly contagious, more than, say, the normal influenza. And we lose tens of thousands of Americans every year from the flu. And that's that's called perspective also. So that was always troubling. And then we began to watch and see. That's why I think the travel ban will go down as almost mandated heading forward. Uh, I think that the drive up testing is crucial this way. We're not throwing everybody into the hospital system. Um, and I think telemedical advice is also going to be a, a part of our futures also. So um, we just look, it is what it is. We're going to do what we have to do. And then we'll get on the other side of this, hopefully sooner than later and keep uh, and prevent as many deaths as possible. That's the goal here. All right. That's going to wrap things up for today as we are loaded up tonight on Hannity. Yes. Uh, facts without fear, all the news information that you need. We're going to get into all of that. We're loaded up tonight. We have the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence. He is heading up the president's task force. Governor Mike Huckabee will join us. Lindsey Graham now out of quarantine. He didn't have the virus. We'll see you tonight with the vice president back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us.